We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I'll be joined in a moment by Chris Biederman, but Robert Sala has been hired by the New York Jets as their next head coach. We will be getting into that and what it means for the 49ers moving forward. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. All right, Chris. 8.33 p.m. Pacific time Thursday night. The dust has settled on Robert Sala being hired by the New York Jets and some of the news to come out of that. We'll get into that news, but I want to get your initial thoughts before we get into the kind of branches of this that that touch the 49ers. Uh, What are your initial thoughts on what the Jets are getting in a coach? I'm going to ask you because you're a guy who was around Sala. You were in the locker room. You spoke to him. Uh, you know, in press conferences and in one-on-one situations. Uh, I'm just a blogger, so I will have you, I will give you the floor on what the 49ers are kind of losing in Sala. Yeah, I I think, you know, everything you heard the players say about Sala is mostly true, right? Like, and players are often effusive in terms of the way they praise their coach, but I think everything they said about Sala was was valid based on, you know, what, what I got to know about the guy, um, the few personal interactions I, I had with him, even outside of, um, you know, the press conference settings and, and all of that. I, I think when people say he's he's a leader of men and he can motivate guys and 
um, get guys to play with maximum maximum effort and buy-in. I think I think he sort of exemplifies that. That's probably sort of his best quality when it comes to being a football coach outside of the X's and O's. And I think he's very good from an X's and O's, and O's standpoint. And so you match those two things, and that makes potentially a really good head coach. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Robert Sala is going to pick the right quarterback or, uh, you know, run the, the, the perfect operation in terms of, you know, the program that you have and, and everything like that. There's a whole lot of head coaching stuff that um, that you have to learn on the fly. And Kyle Shanahan even talked about that, you know, when you ask him about the differences between being a head coach and a coordinator, just how much more you're responsible for. And so Robert Sala um, is going to have to adjust to that, but I think he can. I think he he was extremely well prepared and meticulous um, with the 49ers. Uh, I, I think he was great with the media. I think the New York media is, is going to like him. I think he's a very likable person. He has a good personality. He's eloquent. Um, and you see him on the sideline during games. Like he's running out there and chest bumping players and um, and screaming and all of that. Like he is... He's he's just the sort of a, a magnetic guy, I think. And so um, I think the players are really going to like him. Um, I think he's absolutely deserving of, of a head coaching job based on what he's done with the 49ers. I, I remember in 2018 when there was a conversation about, you know, should the 49ers fire Robert Sala because um, the secondary wasn't playing very well. And really just the team wasn't very good at that point for, for a few different reasons. Um, but, you know, thinking back to then, it always felt like, man, this is this is kind of crazy because I, I do believe in Robert Sala as a coach. And then you saw it when he had elite talent in 2019, what he was able to do with that team. Um, and then you saw this year with no talent, really not no talent, but significantly right. less talent. Um, and it was a top five defense. And I was skeptical about the, the defensive production earlier in the year because they played a lot of bad quarterbacks. But the numbers held up. And there really weren't many games where you could say, man, the defense just didn't have it. Um, the Bills game is really the only one that pops in my mind right now. And, and you know, that's that's Josh Allen. And, and that, that was maybe a unique circumstance. But, like, I think Robert Saul is a really good coach. I think he was an excellent coordinator. And I think he's going to be pe- somebody people like. Um, I don't, I don't know anybody who's ever had anything bad to say about Robert Sala. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's a good hire. I'm very curious to see now how he transitions, um, to that new job and whether or not they're going to be able to figure out their quarterback situation, or is it going to be as easy for them as, you know, drafting Zach Wilson or, uh, or Justin Fields with the number two overall pick. Um, they're probably not in the worst spot and they have all sorts of cap space too. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's a, it's a good hire for the jets. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's a couple of things you said there that, that I want to touch on. And it sounded like yesterday he interviewed on Wednesday for a second time with the jets and Ian Rappaport said on NFL network, basically said the Jets were hoping to get a deal done on Wednesday. But Sala left that meeting. He had an interview in Florida with the Eagles, and he was supposed to have a second interview with the Chargers. I'm guessing that didn't happen. (laughs) And at this point, I'm not even sure if the Eagles interview happened or how long that went. But the two things you said there that, that 
I I think were were important. Maybe not important. One's important. One's not so important. I'll start with the not so important one. Do you think the antics stay on the sideline? And I know antics have a negative connotation, but the the demonstrativeness. Do you think he stays I, as demonstrative demonstrative as a head coach? I think he will maybe in his first year, and it'll slowly sort of dissipate. Yeah, I think the same thing. So the other thing you said, and and one of the things that. I think really stands out about Sala, and it's something that you and I talked about. I think personally in 2017 was the effort from San Francisco at the end of that season, and the same thing in 2018. The talent wasn't there, and remember, after the 2017 season, there was a lot of talk on various internet forums, like. The 49ers should fire Robert Sala. Their defense was that bad. And if you go back and watch any of those games from 2017, it it was. It was truly atrocious. But they were playing hard for 16 games. And I think that kind of stuff matters. And then it happened again in 2018 where they won a couple games down the stretch and the defense with a little more talent started to look a little better. And then you see what he was able to do with a fully loaded defense. And then, as you mentioned again this year, but even this year, after the season was lost, their defense continued to play hard. They held the Cardinals to 12 points, and then they they took the Seahawks to the brink, and the Seahawks just kind of took over at the end of the game, and their, their talent rose to the surface. But I think those types of things and the fact that players bought in, and then every player, uh, the, a video got posted, I... I forget who posted it, but from a Richard Sherman presser this year where he gave this long, eloquent response about Robert Sala. Kyle Shanahan talked a ton about Robert Sala and how much he loves having him. Uh, Nick Wagner posted a big, long answer from Dre Greenlaw um, about D'Amico Ryans, who we'll get to in a minute. I thought that was about Sala, but um, if you... If you go back, there's a ton of players saying all this awesome stuff about Robert Sala and how yeah. great he is. So I, I think when you have players buying in on that level, it it points to your ability to lead and be a head coach. Now, like you said, he's got to build a staff and he's got to do that effectively. So that's where I want to go next. Um, according to Adam Schefter... Sala intends to take 49ers pass game coordinator Mike LaFleur with him to be his offensive coordinator. Um, it sounds like the 49ers are going to need to make some major changes to their coaching staff in the offseason. Yeah, we'll see um, that we'll, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with that. I would imagine, you know, I, I don't think the like if, if I'm a 49ers fan, I don't know that I'm worrying about this so much. Um, because working for Kyle Shanahan will will be a very coveted position among coaches, and so I think the 49ers are going to be in a spot where they could potentially get a good one. And that and that's not to say, um, you know, that they that they will necessarily. They they might make mistakes, but I but I think one thing I thought about when I saw the the solid news, and this is sort of related, but like the fact that Kyle Shanahan can identify a defensive coordinator. Um, who did what Sala did and then became a head coach indicates that Kyle Shanahan on top of, you know, I, I guess indicates Kyle Shanahan has a good eye for this stuff, right? Like he's, he's one for one when it comes to coordinator hires, right? On the defensive side. So in terms of, 
you know, they and Kyle Shanahan's always had a good staff. Um, going all the way back to Washington with, you know, Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay, um, you know, and now uh, Mike LaFleur going with, with, with Sala. Um, you know, that's a, that's a lot of talent that Shanahan's been around, so he's got an eye for it when it comes to coaches. So I don't know that I'm necessarily worried. Somebody you brought up um, when we were talking uh, away from the podcast was Rich Scangarello, who was a quarterback's coach in 2017, um, who really did a great job working with Jimmy Garoppolo that year, obviously getting him integrated into the program, you know, after being acquired on Halloween, um, getting him to to learn the offense and go 5-0 and in his starts to the to end that season. And then he went on to, um, I think he had a job with the Eagles, um, and then he was an offensive coordinator with Denver. I think he's available now, maybe could potentially be had. But, you know, if Kyle Shanahan's looking for a passing game coordinator to replace um, Mike LaFleur, I think I think Scangarello would make a lot of sense potentially. Um, and even if it's not Scangarello, I think Kyle Shanahan will be able to find somebody good. And ultimately, like you want to have the best staff possible from an offensive perspective. But ultimately, this is Kyle Shanahan's baby, right? Like the offense right. is his baby. All those other coaches work for him. He's the one calling the plays. So I don't imagine there's going to be a real noticeable drop off. Um, at least from a fan's perspective, I imagine the 49ers offense from a coaching and schematic standpoint will still be just fine, even without LaFleur. Yeah, and that's that's why they couldn't keep any of their offensive assistants if they're going to go be offensive coordinators and calling plays because Kyle Shanahan's yeah. not relinquishing that duty just to keep an assistant around. Yeah, That's not a thing that's going to happen. Um, it also sounds like Mike McDaniel is a offensive coordinator candidate in... Miami, uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted that out this morning. But as far as Scangarello goes, he was with the Eagles last year, and he left before Doug Peterson got fired. So he's around. He's out there. And okay. it super wouldn't surprise me if he winds up back in Santa Clara. Yeah, particularly if they end up... I mean, if they end up keeping Garoppolo, it would make a ton of sense, right? Yeah. Because um, yeah. you, you have that relationship already there. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, D'Amico Ryans, I think that's going to be it, it. The 49ers are at an interesting point now, right? Because I think they want to be sort of considered one of these institutional franchises that, um, even though they, they went six and 10 last year, um, and I know they, <laughs> they've, they've had losing records in three of their four seasons under Kyle Shanahan, but they want, but that they want to be able to sustain winning and sustain, um, you know, being a, being considered a successful franchise with more seasons like 2019 than 2020, obviously. But part of right. that evolving into that next stage is when, you know, you're starting to churn out head coaches from your staff because because you are successful because what you're doing is working, um, and the fact that the 49ers have already done that with a defensive coordinator is interesting. Um, to me, and then you know, you heard Robert Saul on the way out saying he thinks D'Amico Ryan's is going to be um, a potential head coach at, at some point, and maybe it's going to be, you know, four years from now after a successful run as a 49ers new defensive coordinator. Like that's, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but these are the type of things that the 49ers, um, that that's like one of their intrinsic goals, right? Is to have that kind of program that is a system in place that helps churn out coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, because that makes you ultimately, I mean, that means you're being successful and that means you're able to hire good coaches. Um, and, and, you know, generally you're going to be, when you're doing that, you're going to be winning a lot of games as sort of a byproduct of it. Right. Right. If (laughs) having good coaches typically translates into more wins, right? Just my take. Yeah. And also your take. Smash, smash tweet on that one. <laughs> no, I just uh, D'Amico Ryan's was a name that I think was was really popular when it looked like Salah was exiting, and uh, Ian Rappaport said that he is expected to replace uh, Salah as the defensive coordinator, and that's very impressive considering <laughs> he was teammates in Philadelphia with Zach Ertz. Yeah, that's true. He's 36. <laughs> yeah, he's 36. He retired from the NFL in 2015. Um, he was JJ Watt's teammate, Watt's rookie year. Um, and he started coaching in 2017 as a quality control coach. He was an inside linebackers coach for three years, and now it looks like he's going to be a defensive coordinator. That's very impressive. Yeah, and and it keeps some continuity uh, in San Francisco, which is cool. a plus. Right, and so you you talk about like head coaches how they're how they're often tied to their quarterbacks, right? Like defensive coaches, right. like in Robert Sala's case, he's tied to Fred Warner. Like Robert Sala is basically responsible for Fred Warner, like identified him in the draft, developed him, and Ryan's was there for all of that, right? And and Ryan's obviously was Warner's position coach, worked with him at a much more intimate level. So um, yeah, I, I just think that they're you know, Trey Greenlaw, Fred Warner, um, you know, these, th- that's a very well coached unit. And I think it reflects well on D'Amico Ryan's just, a f- you know, like that's his unit and it's, and it really held the defense together this year. Um, so, you know, when you're talking about continuity, I don't think the scheme's going to change a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Fred Warner's responsibility is just going to continue to grow. And that's probably a good thing based on what we know about Fred Warner. Um, and I, I, don't you know when the 49ers get their horses back and if they're able to you know reload the defensive line find a replacement for D Ford um you know rebuild the secondary i think the defense is still going to be good um i you know we'll we'll have to see if the 49ers lose any other staffers um you know whether or not they have to find a new secondary's coach or or whatever that'll all play out in the coming weeks as Robert Sala fills out his staff but um but no, I think D'Amico Ryan's is is a good hire. Probably going to keep the same scheme. Going to have continuity. Um, not a new voice in the room. Somebody Kyle Shanahan's familiar with. And uh, and like I said, if 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 Ryan's is you know if if what Shanahan and um, Robert Sala said is true, and that they think D'Amico Ryan's is going to be a head coach one day. Um, then, you know, that probably means that, that they're pretty high on them as a potential coordinator candidate. Like the 49ers are happy with who they got. They're not settling for somebody. Right. So, um, and based on, you know, what we know about Kyle Shanahan's ability and track record to find coaches, it's probably gonna, I I think I'm optimistic for the 49ers in that it's probably going to be a good hire, I think. I I I would be surprised if D'Amico Ryan's crash and burned as a DC, and there might be growing pains and stuff like that. But um, we'll have to see. I mean, it's it's like anything else. When when you're a coach 
rising through the ranks and taking on different responsibilities, it gets harder and harder each step that you go. And so we'll have yep. to see if Ryan's can be a good DC, I think, based on what we know. Um, I think it's fair to say that he can be a good DC. We'll just He just has to go out and do it. And a lot of a lot of what the 49ers are going to be defensively is going to be about personnel decisions, I think, more so than scheme. Um, because I think the scheme's going to be the same. They just have to find those cornerbacks. They have to find another pass rusher. They got to be able to kick Eric Armstead back inside. Um, you got to find a nickel corner. Um, you got to hope Tervarius Moore and Jimmy Ward can can hold up as your two safeties. Like, there's a lot that goes into it that is sort of out of Ryan's control in a way. But um, no, I think gen- generally it's it's a uh, it's going to be a good pairing for for the 49ers, even though it's you know it's not going to be as good as Robert Sala initially. But I think the defense is is going to be in good hands. So it'll be plenty of stuff to watch as, as Chris said, Sala fills out his staff, who from the 49ers he takes, who the 49ers replace him with. Like we said, it sounds like it's going to be D'Amico Ryans, but they're going to have some offensive, at least one offensive uh, spot to fill as well. So uh, we will keep you updated on that. And uh, that's going to do it for the week. Uh, I'm going to take next week off. And we'll be back after that with some 49ers offseason updates. And we'll start really diving into the draft. Chris, I'm excited for a tape grinding season. Yeah, going to spend a lot of time in the lab um, getting the coat ready. So much time. Oh, my God. <laughs> the lab coat ready, the equipment. You, you, guys should see, you, guys should, you guys should see Chris watch film. He wears a stethoscope. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But, yeah. hey, whatever's effective. A lot of YouTube clips going to be coming. So much YouTube. Dude, so much YouTube. <laughs> and a lot of complaining that there's not enough All-22 out there. Can't wait. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Candlestick Chronicles. Subscribe, rate, review if you haven't, and we'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.